Well, uh, good morning, Living Hope. Um, as others have mentioned, um, you know, circumstances are a little different, but we still worship the same God, and so I pray uh, and I hope that we're coming together as a family virtually to worship uh, this God who is so great, who's so gracious to us. Um, if you don't know me, I, my name is Chris Chi. I'm one of the pastoral staff here at Living Hope. And these past, starting from last week to uh, next week, we're, gonna do a, we're doing a mini three-part series on finding peace. And what more appropriate book than the book of Psalms to look for peace? I think the book of Psalms is a real book, uh, an honest book, a, a raw book, where if you just read uh, some of the Psalms, what you hear in these Psalms are, are just cries of a real emotion to God. Sometimes it almost seems like a complaint where it says, help me, O Lord, or it would say, why are the enemies coming after me right now? Sometimes they'll say, I don't understand what you're doing, God. At times they'll say, why have you forsaken me? And, and many of these psalms, as the psalmist cries out uh, in, in a real emotional, honest way, towards the end of the psalm, many of the psalmists, uh, they end up coming to the house of the Lord and they meet him and it brings a sense of peace in their hearts and they start to praise again. And, and I hope and pray that this may happen with you today. As we go into the book of Psalms, as your heart may not be right, as you are feel, fearful or anxious, there's some doubt in your heart as you come to the house of God and worship him and meet him, that you will find peace in your heart. Today, uh, we're going to go look at Psalm 121. So if you can, uh, at, at your home, if you can open up your Bible to Psalm 121. Psalm 121 uh, reads this way. It says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your feet, he will not let your foot be moved. He will keep you, will not slumber. Behold, he will keep Israel with neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we thank you for this time. We worship you, Lord. Whether it's at church, whether it's at home, you're the same God, and we want to worship you, the same God, the one who is a creator of all things, and yet also the one who saved us, who is our redeemer. So, Lord, I pray that, that we would worship you uh, this morning and that your name may be honored uh, as we go through the book of Psalms. We thank you, Lord, pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, the Psalm 121 is probably the, the most, has the most memorable or powerful words to start a psalm. You know, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. You know, this first two lines of this psalm tells us two important truths. One is that we need help. 
in this life uh, journey, whatever we may, uh, however our lives may be, at one point in our lives, we're going to cry out, Lord, I need help. I cannot do this on my own. Especially for a Christian. You know, first, 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Especially as a believer in this world, as we fight sin in this world, there's going to be trouble and trial that's going to come upon our lives. And at any moment, we're going to cry out, Lord, I need you to help me. So that's the first truth. The second truth is that God is the ultimate source of our help. That's what the psalmist recognized here. He recognized that he needed help. But the second thing that he recognized is that God is the one that will help him. And this is the first voice of the psalm. There's actually two voices in Psalm 121. The first voice is verses 1 and 2. And the uh, second voice is from verses 3 through 8. And this first voice is this raw, once again, this raw, uh, honest voice of one who needs help. Who, at this point in his life, as he is looking up, as looking at, uh, up in his life and his circumstances, he knows that he can't do it on his own and he needs help. And his initial faith his initial confession is that the Lord is his help. You know, this Psalm 121 is a collection of psalms called the Song of Ascent. And it's from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. And they were grouped together to be sung on a, on a journey as each Israelite three times a year would get out of their homes, make a trek to Jerusalem in these three festivals, three important events in the Israel's history, and they would go up. And most commentators believe that this Psalm 121 was sung at the very gates of Jerusalem. When they would make that trek from their home to the city of Jerusalem, and right before they would enter Jerusalem, there would be this long hill, about 2,000 elevation feet up on the, on the hill. And right before they got onto that hill, this song was Song. And they believe that this a psalm here, Psalm 121, describes a scene of, of an Israelite in that particular situation. You know, um, you know I'm also a, a school teacher, and so uh, my, my life has changed radically in this past week, and uh, I'm, I'm teaching from home now. But one of the, 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 the very few uh, positives, I guess, uh, that uh, I... Um, that has changed was that I'm able to exercise a little bit more now. I'm at home, so I'm, I'm able to go and take a walk. Uh, and what I've been doing uh, almost every single day is to take a, a walk around my, uh, my neighborhood, uh, sometimes twice a day. And it, it's, it's this loop that I take. It's about a mile and a half. Uh, but it's not a flat loop. It, it's, it's a hilly loop where I would start in a... a not the top, but very, and I would go down. So that's an easy walk. I would go down. And then there's one point on that loop, and as I'm turning, and I'm going back up. And I always remember, I, I always, at this moment, when I'm walking down and I get to that spot, I have to pause a little bit. 
So no, there's that hill again. And I anticipate the hardships. My leg starts to feel it. My heart starts to beat a little bit more. And I'm like kind of dreading this walk up the hill. Especially at night when I go up the hill. It's very dark. It's not very lit. Um, and, and so there's all trees right by this pathway. And sometimes there's spiders with webs that you don't see. And sometimes you just run into it. Sometimes you're walking. You're, you're stepping on bugs and other things. And it, this hasn't happened, but it's, it is a possibility. Uh, there's a lot of coyotes uh, near where, where I live. And so at times I've seen coyotes walk around, not when I'm walking, but I've seen them. So there's always that little danger. And so I'm anticipating not only the, the physical harm that could come to me by a coyote or even a spider web, but this fear of the unknown, that something could happen. I look up and it's a little dark and I'm not sure exactly. I may escape through it, but there's this anxiousness in me that says maybe something is going to happen. And this is what the Israelites feared when they, went, when they were on the bottom of that hill. Because this hill that they were going to make a trek up to Jerusalem is not a paved road. It's very rocky, very dangerous. And it's a place where thieves do their work. Because it's dark sometimes, and it's a prime place where thieves can go and attack innocent people and rob them of their goods. That's maybe a little bit of what we are facing right now, I think, uh, during this time. We have, we are fearful of the, the physical harm that could come upon us by this virus. Maybe, maybe not so much ourselves, but maybe our parents, somebody who is older that we know. We're fearful of that physical harm. But also, there's a fear of the unknown. Because minute by minute, things are changing. And we can't anticipate anything anymore right now. And so there's anxiousness in our heart. And there's fear in our heart of what is coming up next. And so this psalmist in verses 1 and 2 shares that emotion with us. That same fear of the physical harm that could come upon him as he makes this trek up to Jerusalem and also the fear of the unknown uncertainty that there are dangers on that hill and I'm not sure if that's going to happen. And that's kind of where we are. And so the psalmist, I hope, will reassure you as it reassure that the first voice of the psalm that God here is with us. Because this psalmist, as he cries out, I look up to the hills, where does my help come from? His reaction, his initial faith says, it is God who will help. And that's great. But I think we need a little bit, we need a little bit more than this confession of the psalmist. Because the psalmist says that I look up to the hills, my eyes, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He is a creator of all things. He has the ability to help us. He is the almighty God. But sometimes the real question is, will he? 
will he help us during this time? Yes, we know that he can. We can look at creation and say, man, look at what the mountains that he created, the seas. He has the ability to do all things. But does he have the will? Why would he help us at this time? Why would he bring peace into our hearts? See, what we need more is not just who he is, but what we need at this time is who he is to us. And that's why we need the second voice of the psalm, which comes from verses 3 through 8. In verse 3, he starts off with, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keep you will not slumber. Behold, who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And it goes on. So the second voice of the psalm is actually speaking to the first voice. Because the first voice, although he had an initial uh, act of faith, although he said the right things, this first voice will need a little bit of help from the second voice so that he can find peace in it in his heart through this time of trouble. And it seems like the second voice is more of an experienced Christian. The second voice is one who may have experienced trials and tribulations in his life. And he's almost giving advice to the first voice saying, yes, he is the creator of heaven and earth. But to you, he is so much more. And the psalmist, the second voice of the psalmist, kind of summarizes who God is by using this word, keep. If you read uh, from verses 3 and 4, about five times it, it mentions that he will keep you, that God will keep you. And at one time it says he is your keeper. Well, what does this mean for God to be our, our keeper? Or what does it mean for God to keep? And, and I think um, the, these songs of ascent from 120 to 134, they, they actually pick a word from the Aaronic blessing in uh, Numbers uh, 6, where Aaron, uh, the high priest, uh, gave a benediction to the nation of Israel that God will be with them. Um, and one of the uh, words that, that he uses um, in in this, in this blessing um, is this word uh, keep. And in Numbers chapter 6, it says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. That's part of the, the blessing that Aaron gave to the Israelites. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And what this psalmist does is he, uses, he takes that word keep and attaches it to the characteristics of God. And, and it tells us something about who he is. What does this word keep mean? Simply that this keep is a protector. He is a watchman or a night watch who watches over either his children or his people or, or people that, and he just watches it and makes sure that they are protected from the enemies. And so the second voice tells the first voice that not only is he the creator of heaven and earth, but that he is your protector. He is your watchman. And it is not from a distance that he's watching, but he has an intimate interest 
in the person that he is watching, which is the first psalmist and which is all of us. So how does the Lord keep us? How does he watch us during this time? There are three things. The first thing is, tells us that he will not slumber. He will not sleep. He will not let your foot slip or be moved. Just as God watches over us, as he protects us, he keeps our minds and our hearts steady. When we come to worship and we get to know him a little bit more, we realize that he is more than just the creator of heaven and earth. He is the one that, his, that, that provides for us. He is the one that protects us. He is the one that is in control of all things. He will keep you steady. He will not let your mind move to doubt. He will not let your mind think of God in another way. He will bring you back with the spirit and his word and say, even though there's calamity happening all around you, he's going to remind you that he is still in control, that he is not asleep, that God is awake. God is alive. You know, there's this one story and passage in the New Testament that comes from Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And I want to read you uh, uh, this passage. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 says, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in a boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. So Jesus and his disciples were in a boat in the sea. In verse 37, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the storm, stern, I'm sorry, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he woke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? In that story, there's a storm raging on the sea. The disciples are trying to uh, survive, basically. And they're at their, they, they couldn't do it. They were experienced fishermen, but they knew that this storm was greater than the storm that they handled before. And without an outside help, that they would perish and die in this boat. And in the stern, inside the boat, and it even says on a cushion, they found their master, the one that they followed, sleeping. And, and they woke him up, and I'm sure it wasn't a gentle, Jesus, wake up. It was, I'm sure it was a violent, either yelling or shaking him. It says, wake up, Jesus. Wake up, Rabbi, wake, wake up, teacher. Can you help us? Why are you sleeping? Are you not aware of what is going on? Jesus quietly wakes up, goes up to the deck, stands and says, peace, be still. And, and the seas become calm. 
the disciples thought that Jesus was asleep, and because he was asleep, he wasn't in control of the situation. They thought that since Jesus was asleep, he was slumbering, he didn't care of what was going on. But Jesus, even though he seemed like he was asleep, he was in full control. And any moment, he would have woken up and said, peace be still, and the storm would be calm. Right now, we see almost chaos in our lives, things changing, and things not getting better. We try to find the good in here and there, but overall, we see what is going on here. God, why are you asleep? Why are you not awake to our prayers? Can't you make all of this stop? Wake up, God. That sometimes is where our hearts are right now. But God is saying to us in this story, though he may seem like he's asleep, though it seems like he's away, yet he is here with us. And any moment, he can say, peace, be still. And he can make all this go away. Now, we're not sure exactly why he doesn't do that right now, but I'm sure there is a good reason why he doesn't. But because we feel like he's not awake or he's somewhere else does not mean that he is not in control. And that truth is a thing that will steady our minds, that will steady our hearts during this time. That even though we cannot see what God is doing, even though we may think that God is asleep or inactive, he is in control of all things. And our faith will tell us that at any moment, he can come and say, peace, be still. You know, the second thing is found in verse 5. It says, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. What does it mean for God to be a keeper? I think it means for him to be our shield, our protector. You know, when I think of shield, you know, it, my first thoughts go to Captain America. <laughs> I don't know why, but it just does. And that shield, the red, white, and blue, and whenever there's something coming at him, all he has to do is just put that shield right in front of him, and it will bounce off no matter what it may be. The, the shield takes the blunt of whatever may be coming, and it protects us. And I believe that's the picture that is given here in this psalm, that Jesus is our in-between, that Jesus is the one that stands in front of us when there's calamity that's coming upon us. And, and what's more is that not only is he our protector, but he takes the blunt of, of whatever may come. He is the one that protects us not only by putting a shield, but he himself is that shield. So he absorbs the punishment that's due to us. And that is that picture of, that, of the gospel there, that he is our mediator. He is our substitute. He is the one that protects us. And then the last one here 
in verses 7 through 8. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Sinclair Ferguson uh, says that God is our watch care without exception and without limitation. The word here is all evil, not some evil, but he will keep you from all evil. And in verse 8, it says, God will only keep you for a certain limited time. No, the Lord will keep you from going out and from coming in from this time forth and forevermore. His watch care over your life is limitless, without exception. What is going on right now in our society has not taken him by surprise. And it's not something new that he can't combat from, from all evil, from this time and forevermore. Whatever we're going through eventually, because of his watch care over us, it will pass. So he keeps us in, this, in these three ways. He tells us the, the, the inexperienced uh, Christian, the first voice of the psalm, tells him, Hey, he's not only the maker of heaven and earth. He's not only that who has the ability, but he is willing because he is your watch care, because he is your protector. He will not slumber nor sleep. He is awake watching you intently as a father uh, to a child. He is your protector, absorbing all the punishment that's due to us. And he will do this without exception, without limit. That's the type of God that we have. And if you don't truly believe that, you have to listen to the third voice of the psalm. Yes, verses 1 and 2 is the first voice. Verses 3 through 8 is the second voice. But in the psalm, there is the third voice. And that's the voice of Jesus. If you can come back to Mark chapter 4, verses 35, come back to that story. In verse 37, a great windstorm arose. The waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. They were going to perish. The disciples comes into the stern, probably wakes Jesus up. And violently, Jesus is waking up. And probably the, the most hurtful words that has ever been said to Jesus was said at this moment. When the disciples said these words, he says, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Words that would pierce the soul of Jesus' heart. Why? It is because he cared that he was in that boat. It is because he cared that he came, left his glory, came onto this earth as a man, lived, ministered, healed, and then went to the cross and died for our sins as a substitute. That's why he was in that book, because he cared. And he resurrected because he cared. Do you want to know if God cares for us at this time? Look at the cross. 
Look what Jesus did. When we say to Jesus, don't you care what's going on about our lives right now? Don't you care about our society? Don't you care that things are in chaos? Jesus says to us, it is because I care that I came and saved you. And that is the hope that we have today. Maybe not the hope that, oh, things will get better tomorrow. That we can look into the future and we can figure everything out. And the hope today is that we can go look at, back on that cross and see Jesus. You know, the psalmist started, says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Let's do that this morning. Let's lift up our eyes to the hills. Not just any hill. Let's go look up our eyes to Calvary's hill and see what Jesus did. And see the care and the love that he has for us. Let's hold on to that this morning so that we can find peace in our hearts whatever calamity, whatever chaos, whatever the unknown may be on the outside, let's be assured of his care for us on that cross that we would find peace in our hearts. I can ask the praise team to come up, and as they do that, uh, let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, I lift up my eyes to the hill, Lord, I can see the unknown. I can see the, the dangers. But Lord, I pray that we will look beyond the, the troubled hills and go all the way to Calvary's Hill and see you on that cross. Lord, that is, Lord, that is where our hope is. In the midst of of fear of physical harm in the midst of fear of the unknown. You are for sure the one that we come on to. You are the one that we are sure that you care for us. So Lord, I pray that we would hold on to you, hold on to your cross, hold on to your love so that our hearts may find peace start to praise you again. We thank you, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.